Section 14 of The Anatomy of Melancholy, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Morgan Scorpion. The Anatomy of Melancholy, Volume 3, by Robert Burton, Section 14. Partition 3, Section 2, Member 2, Subsection 4, Part 2. That which I aim at is to show you the progress of this burning lust, to epitomize, therefore, all this which I have hitherto said, with a familiar example out of that elegant Musaeus. Observe but with me those amorous proceedings of Leander and Hero. They begin first to look one on another with a lascivious look. Oblique interens inde nutibus. Nutibus mutuis inducens in errorum mentem puellae, et illa a contra nutibus mutuis juvenis, leandri quod amorem non renuit, etc. Inde adabat in tenebris tacite quidem stringens, roseos puellae digitos, ex imo suspirabat vehementer. Inde virginis autem bene olens colum osculatus, tale verbum et amoris ictis stimulo, preces audi et amoris miserere mei, etc. Sic fatus recusantis persuasit mentem puellae. With becks and nods he first began to try the wench's mind, with becks and nods and smiles again, an answer he did find. And in the dark he took her by the hand, and wrung it hard and sighed grievously, and kissed her too, and wooed her as he might, with pity me, sweetheart, or else I die, and with such words and gestures as there passed, he won his mistress's favour at the last. The same proceeding is elegantly described by Apollonius in his Argonautics, between Jason and Medea, by Eustathius in the ten books of the loves of Ismenius and Ismene, Achilles Tatius between his Cletophon and Leucippe, Chaucer's neat poem of Troilus and Cressida, and in that notable tale in Petronius of a soldier and a gentlewoman of Ephesus, that was so famous all over Asia for her chastity, and that mourned her husband, the soldier wooed her with such rhetoric as lovers used to do, placitoni etiam pugnabis amori, etc. At last, frangi pertinacium passa est, he got her good will, not only to satisfy his lust, but to hang her dead husband's body on the cross, which he watched instead of the thieves that was newly stolen away, whilst he wooed her in her cabin. These are tales, you will say, but they have most significant morals, and do well express those ordinary proceedings of doting lovers. Many such allurements there are, nods, jests, winks, smiles, wrestlings, tokens, favours, symbols, letters, valentines, etc., for which cause belike, Godfrida's book too, De Amoribus, would not have women learn to write. Many such provocations are used when they come in presence. They will, and will not. Malome galatea, petit lasciva puella, 
et fugit ad salices, et se cupit ante videre. My mistress with an apple woos me, and hastily to covert goes, to hide herself, but would be seen with all her heart before, God knows. Hero so tripped away from Leander, as one displeased, yet as she went full often looked behind, and many poor excuses did she find to linger by the way, but if he chance to overtake her, she is most averse, nice and coy. Deneget et pugnat, said vult super omnia vinci. She seems not one, but one she is at length. In such wars women use but half their strength. Sometimes they lie open and are most tractable and coming, apt, yielding, and willing to embrace, to take a green gown, with that shepherdess in Theocritus, Idol 27, to let their coats, etc., to play and dally at such seasons, and to some as they spy their advantage, and then coy, close again, so nice, so surly, so demure, you had much better tame a colt, catch or ride a wild horse, than get her favour or win her look, not a look, not a smile, not a kiss for a kingdom. Aretine's Lucretia was an excellent artisan in this kind, as she tells her own tale. Though I was by nature and art most beautiful and fair, yet by these tricks I seemed to be far more amiable than I was, for that which men earnestly seek and cannot attain draws on their affection with the most furious desire. I had a suitor loved me dearly, said she, and the more he gave me, the more eagerly he wooed me, the more I seemed to neglect to scorn him, and which I commonly gave others, I would not let him see me, converse with me, no, not have a kiss. To gull him the more, and fetch him over, for him only I aimed at, I personated mine own servant to bring a present from a Spanish count, whilst he was in my company, as if he had been the count's servant which he did excellently well perform. Comes de Monte Turco, my lord and master hath sent your ladyship a small present, and part of his hunting, a piece of venison, a pheasant, a few partridges, etc., all which she bought with her own money, commends his love and service to you, desiring you to accept of it in good part, and he means very shortly to come and see you. Withal she showed him rings, gloves, scarves, coronets, which others had sent her, when there was no such matter, but only to circumvent him. By these means, as she concludes, I made the poor gentleman so mad, that he was ready to spend himself, and venture his dearest blood for my sake. Philina, in Lucian, practised all this long before, as it shall appear unto you by her discourse. For when Diphilus, her sweetheart, came to see her, as his daily custom was, she frowned upon him, would not vouchsafe him her company, but kissed Lamprius, his co-rival, at the same time, before his face. But why was it? To make him, as she telleth her mother that chid her for it, more jealous. To wet his love, to come with a greater appetite, and to know that her favour was not so easy to be had. Many other tricks she used besides this, as she there confesseth, 
for she would fall out with and anger him of set purpose pick quarrels upon no occasion because she would be reconciled to him again amantium irae amoris redintegratio as the old saying is the falling out of lovers is the renewing of love and according to that of aristenetis jucundioris amorum post injurius deliciae love is increased by injuries as the sunbeams are more gracious after a cloud and surely this aphorism is most true for as ampelis informs crisis in the said lucian if a lover be not jealous angry waspish apt to fall out sigh and swear he is no true lover to kiss and call hang about her neck protest swear and wish are but ordinary symptoms incipientis adhuc et crescentis amoris signa but if he be jealous angry apt to mistake etc bene speres licet sweet sister he is thine own if you let him alone humour him please him etc and that he perceive once he hath you sure without any co-rival his love will languish and he will not care so much for you hitherto saith she can i speak out of experience demophantus a rich fellow was a suitor of mine i seemed to neglect him and gave better entertainment to caliades the painter before his face principio abiit verbis me insectatus at first he went away all in a chafe cursing and swearing but at last he came submitting himself vowing and protesting he loved me most dearly i should have all he had and that he would kill himself for my sake therefore i advise thee dear sister crises and all maids not to use your suitors over kindly insolentes enim sunt hoc cum sentient twill make them proud and insolent but now and then reject them estrange thyself et simi audies semel atque iterum exclude shut him out of doors once or twice let him dance attendance follow my counsel and by this means you shall make him mad come off roundly stand to any conditions and do whatsoever you will have him these are the ordinary practices yet in the said lucian melissa methinks had a trick beyond all this for when her suitor came coldly on to stir him up she writ one of his co-rival's names and her own in a paper melissa amat hermotimum hermotimus melissam causing it to be stuck upon a post for all gazers to behold and lost it in the way where he used to walk and when the silly novice perceived statim ut legit creditit instantly apprehended it was so came raving to me etc and so when i was in despair of his love four months after i recovered him again eugenia drew timocles for her valentine and wore his name for a long time after in her bosom camina singled out pamphilus to dance at mysen's wedding some say for there she saw him first Felicianus overtook Calia by the highway side, offered his service, thence came further acquaintance, and thence came love. But who can repeat half their devices? What Aretine experienced, what conceited Lucian, or wanton Aristonatus? They will deny and take, 
stiffly refuse and yet earnestly seek the same repel to make them come with more eagerness fly from it if you follow but if averse as a shadow they will follow you again fugientum sequitur sequentum fugit with a regaining retreat a gentle reluctancy a smiling threat a pretty pleasant peevishness they will put you off and have a thousand such several enticements for as he saith non est forma satis nec quae vult bella videri debet vulgari more placere suis dicta sales lusus sermones gratia risus vicunt naturae candidioris opus tis not enough though she be fair of hue for her to use this vulgar compliment but pretty toys and jests and saws and smiles as far beyond what beauty can attempt for this cause belike philostratus in his images makes diverse loves some young some of one age some of another some winged some of one sex some of another some with torches some with golden apples some with darts gins snares and other engines in their hands as Propertius hath prettily painted them out, Book Two, Twenty Nine, and which some interpret diverse enticements or diverse affections of lovers, which if not alone yet jointly may batter and overcome the strongest constitutions. It is reported of Decius and Valerianus, those two notorious persecutors of the church, that when they could enforce a young Christian by no means, as Hieromi, to sacrifice to their idols by no torments or promises, they took another course to tempt him. They put him into a fair garden, and set a young courtesan to dally with him, took him about the neck, and kissed him. And that which is not to be named, manibusque attrectare, etc., and all those enticements which might be used, that whom torments could not, love might batter and beleaguer. But such was his constancy, she could not overcome and when this last engine would take no place they left him to his own ways at berkeley in gloucestershire there was in times past a nunnery saith gualterius mapesh an old historiographer that lived four hundred years since of which there was a noble and a fair lady abbess godwin that subtle earl of kent travelling that way seeking not her but hers leaves a nephew of his a proper young gallant, as if he had been sick, with her, till he came back again, and gives the young man charge so long to counterfeit, till he had deflowered the abbess, and as many besides of the nuns as he could, and leaves him with all rings, jewels, girdles, and such toys to give them still, when they came to visit him. The young men, willing to undergo such a business, played his part so well, that in a short space he got up most of their bellies, and when he had done, told his lord how he had sped. His lord made instantly to the court, tells the king how such a nunnery was become a bawdy-house, procures a visitation, gets them to be turned out, and begs the lands to his own use. This story I do therefore repeat, that you may see what force these enticements are, if they be opportunely used, and how hard it is, even for the most averse and sanctified souls to resist such allurements. 
John Major, in the life of John the Monk, that lived in the days of Theodosius, commends the hermit to have been a man of singular continency, and of a most austere life. But one night by chance the devil came to his cell in the habit of a young market-wench that had lost her way, and desired for God's sake some lodging with him. The old man let her in, and after some common conference of her mishap, she began to inveigle him with lascivious talk and jests, to play with his beard, to kiss him, and do worse, till at last she overcame him. As he went to address himself to that business, she vanished on a sudden, and the devils in the air laughed him to scorn. Whether this be a true story or a tale, I will not much contend. It serves to illustrate this which I have said. Yet were it so, that these of which I have hitherto spoken, and such enticing baits, be not sufficient, there be many others, which will of themselves intend this passion of burning lust, amongst which dancing is none of the least, and it is an engine of such force I may not omit it. Incitamentum libidinis, Petrarch calls it, the spur of lust, a circle of which the devil himself is the centre. Many women that use it have come dishonest home, most indifferent, none better. Another terms it the companion of all filthy delights and enticements, and tis not easily told what inconveniences come by it, what scurrile talk, obscene actions, and many times such monstrous gestures, such lascivious motions, such wanton tunes, meretricious kisses, homely embracings. Ut gaditana canoro, incipiat prurire coro, plausuque probatae, ad terram tremula descendant clunae puellae, intermentum veneris languentis, that it will make the spectators mad. When that epitomizer of Trogus had to the full described and set out King Ptolemy's riot as a chief engine and instrument of his overthrow, he adds, Tympanum et tripudium, fiddling and dancing. The king was not a spectator only, but a principal actor himself, a thing nevertheless frequently used, and part of a gentlewoman's bringing up, to sing, dance, and play on the lute, or some such instrument, before she can say her pater noster, or ten commandments. Tis the next way their parents think to get them husbands. They are compelled to learn, and by that means, in coestos amores et tenero meditanto ungue. Tis a great allurement, as it is often used, and many are undone by it. Thias, in Lucian, inveigled Lamprius in a dance. Herodias so far pleased Herod, that she made him swear to give her what she would ask, John Baptist's head in a platter. Robert, Duke of Normandy, riding by Falais, spied Arlette, a fair maid, as she danced on a green, and was so much enamoured with the object that she must needs lie with her that night. Owen Tudor won Queen Catherine's affections in a dance, falling by chance with his head in her lap. Who cannot parallel these stories out of his experience? Spusippus, a noble gallant in that Greek Aristeriatus, seeing Panareta, a fair young gentlewoman, dancing by accident, was so far in love with her that for a long time after he could think of nothing but Panareta. 
he came raving home full of panareta who would not admire her who would not love her that should but see her dance as i did o admirable o divine panareta i have seen old and new rome many fair cities many proper women but never any like to panareta they are dross dowdies all to panareta oh how she danced oh how she tripped how she turned with what a grace happy is that man that shall enjoy her oh most incomparable only panareta when xenophon in symposio or banquet has discoursed of love and used all the engines that might be devised to move socrates amongst the rest to stir him the more he shuts up all with a pleasant interlude or dance of dionysius and ariadne first ariadne dressed like a bride came in and took her place by and by dionysius entered dancing to the music the spectators did all admire the young man's carriage and ariadne herself was so much affected with the sight that she could scarce sit after a while dionysius beholding ariadne and incensed with love bowing to her knees embraced her first and kissed her with a grace she embraced him again and kissed him with like affection etc as the dance required but they that stood by and saw this did much applaud and commend them both for it and when dionysius rose up he raised her up with him and many pretty gestures embraces kisses and love compliments passed between them which when they saw fair bacchus and beautiful ariadne so sweetly and so unfeignedly kissing each other so really embracing they swore they loved indeed and were so inflamed with the object that they began to rouse up themselves as if they would have flown at last when they saw them still so willingly embracing and now ready to go to the bride-chamber they were so ravished with it that they that were unmarried swore they would forthwith marry and those that were married called instantly for their horses and galloped home to their wives what greater motive can there be than this burning lust what so violent an opuna not without good cause therefore so many general councils condemn it so many fathers abhor it so many grave men speak against it use not the company of a woman said syracides eight four that is a singer or a dancer neither here lest thou be taken in her craftiness in coco non tam cunitur quam discitur libido haidus holds lust in theatres is not seen but learned gregory nazianzen that eloquent divine as he relates the story himself when a noble friend of his solemnly invited him with other bishops to his daughter olympia's wedding refused to come for it is absurd to see an old gouty bishop sit amongst dancers he held it unfit to be a spectator much less an actor nemo saltat sobrius tully writes he is not a sober man that danceth for some such reason belike domitian forbade the roman senators to dance and for that fact removed many of them from the senate but these you will say are lascivious and pagan dances tis the abuse that causeth such inconvenience and i do not well therefore to condemn speak against 
or innocently to accuse the best and pleasantest thing, so Lucian calls it, that belongs to mortal men. You misinterpret, I condemn it not, I hold it notwithstanding an honest disport, a lawful recreation, if it be opportune, moderately and soberly used, I am of Plutarch's mind. That which respects pleasure alone, honest recreation, or bodily exercise, ought not to be rejected and contemned. I subscribe to Lucian, tis an elegant thing, which cheereth up the mind, exerciseth the body, delights the spectators, which teacheth many comely gestures, equally affecting the ears, eyes, and soul itself. Sallust discommends singing and dancing in Sempronia, not that she did sing or dance, but that she did it in excess. Tis the abuse of it, and Gregory's refusal doth not simply condemn it, but in some folks. Many will not allow men and women to dance together, because it is a provocation to lust. They may as well, with Lycurgus and Mahomet, cut down all vines, forbid the drinking of wine, for that it makes some men drunk. Nihil prodest con ledere posset idem, igne quid utilus. I say of this, as of all other honest recreations, they are like fire, good and bad, and I see no such inconvenience, but that they may so dance, if it be done at due times, and by fit persons, and conclude with Fulfungus Hida, and most of our modern divines, si decorae, graves, vericundae, plena luce bonorum virorum et matronarum honestarum, tempestive fiant, probari pussent et debent. There is a time to mourn, a time to dance, Ecclesiastes 3.4. Let them take their pleasures then, and as he said of old, young men and maids flourishing in their age, fair and lovely to behold, well attired and of comely carriage, dancing a Greek galliard, and as their dance required, kept their time, now turning, now tracing, now apart, now together, now a curtsy, then a caper, etc., and it was a pleasant sight to see those pretty knots and swimming figures. The sun and moon, some say, dance about the earth, the three upper planets about the sun as their centre, now stationary, now direct, now retrograde, now in apogee, then in perigee, now swift, then slow, occidental, oriental, they turn round, jump and trace. Mars and Mercury about the sun with those thirty-three maculae, or Borbonian planet, Circusolum saltantes citharedum, saith Fumandus. Four Medician stars dance about Jupiter, two Austrian about Saturn, etc., and all belike to the music of the spheres. Our greatest counsellors and state senators at some times dance, as David before the ark, 2 Samuel 6.14, Miriam, Exodus 15.20, Judith 15.13, though the devil hence perhaps hath brought in those bawdy bacchanals, and well may they do it. The greatest soldiers, as Quintilianus, Aemilius Probus, Coelius Rodiginus, have proved at large, still use it in Greece, Rome, and the most worthy senators, Cantare, Saltare, Lucian, Macrobius, Libanus, Plutarch, Julius, Pollux, Athenaeus, 
have written just tracts in commendation of it. In this our age it is in much request in those countries, as in all civil commonwealths, as Alexander ab Alexandro, Book 4, Chapter 10, and Book 2, Chapter 25, hath proved at large, amongst the barbarians themselves none so precious, all the world allows it. Divitas contemno tuas, rex quaesae, tuamque vendo asiam, unguentis, flore, mero, choreis. Plato in his Commonwealth will have dancing schools to be maintained, that young folks might meet, be acquainted, see one another, and be seen. Nay more, he would have them dance naked, and scoffs at them that laugh at it. But Eusebius, Book 1, Chapter 11, and Theodoret, Book 9, worthily lash him for it, and well they might, for as one saith, the very sight of naked parts causeth enormous, exceeding concupiscences and stirs up both men and women to burning lust. There is a mean in all things. This is my censure in brief. Dancing is a pleasant recreation of body and mind, if sober and modest, such as our Christian dances are. If tempestively used, a furious motive to burning lust. If, as by pagans heretofore, unchastely abused. But I proceed. If these allurements do not take place, for Simierus, that great master of dalliance, shall not behave himself better, the more effectually to move others, and satisfy their lust. They will swear and lie, promise, protest, forge, counterfeit, brag, bribe, flutter and dissemble of all sides. T'was Lucretius' counsel in Aretine. Sivis amica frui, promite, finge, jura, perjura, jacta, simula, mentire, and they put it well in practice, as Apollo to Daphne. Mihi delfica tellus, et clavus et tenedos, pataraque regia servit, Jupiter est genitor. Delphos, clavus, and tenedos serve me, and Jupiter is known my sire to be. The poorest swains will do as much. Mille peccas nivei sunt et mihi valibus agni. I have a thousand sheep, good store of cattle, and they are all at her command. Tibi nos, tibi nostra superlex, ruraque servierint. House, land, goods are at her service, as is he himself. Dinomachus, a senator's son in Lucian, in love with a wench inferior to him in birth and fortunes, the sooner to accomplish his desire, wept unto her, and swore he loved her with all his heart, and her alone, and that as soon as ever his father died, a very rich man and almost decrepit, he would make her his wife. The maid by chance made her mother acquainted with the business, who being an old fox, well experienced in such matters, told her daughter, now ready to yield to his desire, that he meant nothing less. For dost thou think he will ever care for thee, being a poor wench, that may have his choice of all the beauties in the city, one noble by birth, with so many talents as young, better qualified, and fairer than thyself? Daughter, believe him not. The maid was abashed, and so the matter broke off. When Jupiter wooed Juno first, 
Lilius Giraldus relates it out of an old comment on Theocritus. The better to effect his suit, he turned himself into a cuckoo, and spying her one day walking alone, separated from the other goddesses, caused a tempest suddenly to arise, for fear of which she fled to shelter. Jupiter, to avoid the storm, likewise flew into her lap. In Virginus Junonis Gremium Devolavit, whom Juno for pity covered in her apron, but he turned himself forthwith into his own shape, began to embrace and offer violence unto her, said illa matris metu abnuebat, but she by no means would yield, donec policitus cornubium obtinuit, till he vowed and swore to marry her, and then she gave consent. The fact was done at Tomax Hill, which ever after was called Cuckoo Hill, and in perpetual remembrance there was a temple erected to Telia Juno in the same place. So powerful are fair promises, vows, oaths, and protestations. It is an ordinary thing, too, in this case, to belie their age, which widows usually do, that mean to marry again, and bachelors, too, sometimes. Cuius octavum trepidavit etas, cernere lustrum, to say they are younger than they are. Camides, in the said Lucian, loved Philematium, an old maid of forty-five years, she swore to him she was but thirty-two next December. But to dissemble in this kind is familiar of all sides, and often it takes. Valere credentum res et operosa puellam, tis soon done, no such great mastery. Egregium vero laudum, et spolia amplia, and nothing so frequent as to belie their estates, to prefer their suits, and to advance themselves. Many men, to fetch over a young woman, widows, or whom they love, will not stick to crack, forge, and feign. Anything comes next. Bid his boy fetch his cloak, rapier, gloves, jewels, etc., in such a chest, scarlet, golden tissue breeches, etc., when there is no such matter, or make any scruple to give out, as he did in Petronius, that he was master of a ship, kept so many servants, and to personate their part. The better take upon them to be gentlemen of good houses, well descended and allied, hire apparel at brokers. Some scavenger or prick louse tailors to attend upon them for the time, swear they have great possessions, bribe, lie, cog, and foist how dearly they love, how bravely they will maintain her, like any lady, countess, duchess, or queen. They shall have gowns, tears, jewels, coaches and caroches, choice diet, the heads of parrots, tongues of nightingales, the brains of peacocks and of ostriches. Their bath shall be the juice of gillyflowers, spirit of roses and violets, the milk of unicorns, etc. As old Volpone courted Celia in the comedy, when as they are no such men, not worth a groat, but mere shakers, to make a fortune, to get their desire, or else pretend love to spend their idle hours, to be more welcome, and for better entertainment. The conclusion is, they mean nothing less. Nil metuant jurare, nihil promittere curant, sed simul acupite mentis satiata libido est, dicta nihil metuere, nihil perjura curant. 
oaths vows promises are much protested but when their mind and lust is satisfied oaths vows promises are quite neglected though he solemnly swear by the genius of caesar by venus's shrine hymen's deity by jupiter and all the other gods give no credit to his words for when lovers swear venus laughs venus haec perjuria ridet jupiter himself smiles and pardons it with all as grave pluto gives out of all perjury that alone for love matters is forgiven by the gods if promises lies oaths and protestations will not avail they fail to bribes tokens gifts and such like feats plurimus auro conciliato amor as jupiter corrupted danae with a golden shower and liber ariadne with a golden crown which was afterwards translated into the heavens and there for ever shines they will rain chickens florins crowns angels all manner of coins and stamps in her lap and so must he certainly do that will speed make many feasts banquets invitations send her some present or every other foot sumo studio parento epulae saith hydas et crebrae fiant largitiones he must be very bountiful and liberal seek and sue not to her only but to all her followers friends familiars fiddlers panders parasites and household servants he must insinuate himself and surely will to all of all sorts messengers porters carriers no man must be unrewarded or unrespected i had a suitor saith aretine's lucretia that when he came to my house flung gold and silver about as if it had been chaff another suitor i had was a very choleric fellow but i so handled him that for all his fuming i brought him upon his knees if there had been an excellent bit in the market any novelty fish fruit or fowl muscatel or malmsey or a cup of neat wine in all the city it was presented presently to me though never so dear hard to come by yet i had it the poor fellow was so fond at last that i think if i would i might have had one of his eyes out of his head a third suitor was a merchant at rome and his manner of wooing was with exquisite music costly banquets poems etc i held him off till at length he protested promised and swore pro virginitate regno me donatorum i should have all he had house goods and lords pro concubitu solo neither was there ever any conjurer i think to charm his spirits that used such attention or mighty words as he did exquisite phrases or general of any army so many stratagems to win a city as he did tricks and devices to get the love of me thus men are active and passive and women not far behind them in this kind audax ad omnia foemina quae vel amat vel odit for half so boldly there can none swear and lie as women can they will crack counterfeit and collogue as well as the best with handkerchiefs and wrought nightcaps purses posies and such toys as he justly complained cum mitis violas nempe ut violentus urat 
quid volas violis me violenta tuis etc why dost thou send me violets my dear to make me burn more violent i fear with violets too violent thou art to violate and wound my gentle heart when nothing else will serve the last refuge is their tears haec scripsi testa amorum mixta lacrimis et suspirius twixt tears and sighs i write this i take love to witness saith Caledonia to philonus lumina quae modo fulmina iam flumina lacrimarum those burning torches are now turned to floods of tears aretine's lucretia when her sweetheart came to town wept in his bosom that he might be persuaded those tears were shed for joy of his return quartilla in petronius when nought would move fell a-weeping and as balthazar castilio paints them out to these crocodile tears they will add sobs fiery sighs and sorrowful countenance pale colour leanness and if you do but stir abroad these fiends are ready to meet you at every turn with such a sluttish neglected habit dejected look as if they were now ready to die for your sake and how saith he shall a young novice thus beset escape but believe them not animum ne crede puellis namque est femina tutio unda fide thou thinkest peradventure because of her vows tears smiles and protestations she is solely thine thou hast her heart hand and affection when as indeed there is no such matter as the spanish board said gaudet illa habere unum in lecto alterum in porta tertium qui dome suspiret she will have one sweetheart in bed another in the gate a third sighing at her home a fourth etc every young man she sees and likes hath as much interest and shall as soon enjoy her as thyself on the other side which i have said men are as false let them swear protest and lie quod vobis dicunt dixerunt mille puellis they love some of them those eleven thousand virgins at once and make them believe each particular he is besotted on her or love one till they see another and then her alone like milo's wife in apuleius book two sequem conspexent speciosae formae in venom venustate edius sumitor et in eum animum intorquet tis their common compliment in that case they care not what they swear say or do one while they slight them care not for them rail downright and scoff at them and then again they will run mad hang themselves stab and kill if they may not enjoy them henceforth therefore nulla viro durante femina credat let not maids believe them these tricks and counterfeit passions are more familiar with women finem hic dolore faciet aut vita dies miserere amantes quoth phaedra to hippolytus Joessa in lucian told pythias a young man to move him the more that if he would not have her she was resolved to make away herself there is a nemesis and it cannot choose but grieve and trouble thee 
to hear that I have either strangled or drowned myself for thy sake. Nothing so common to this sex as oaths, vows, and protestations, and as I have already said, tears, which they have at command, for they can so weep that one would think their very hearts were dissolved within them, and would come out in tears. Their eyes are like rocks, which still drop water. Diarie lacrimae et sudoris in modum lugeri promptae, saith Aristenatus. They wipe away their tears like sweat, weep with one eye, laugh with the other, or as children weep and cry, they can both together. Neve pur larum lacrimis moviare memento, ut flerent oculus erudiere suos. Care not for women's tears, I counsel thee. They teach their eyes as much to weep as see, and as much pity is to be taken of a woman weeping as of a goose going barefoot. When Venus lost her son Cupid, she sent a crier about, to bid every one that met him take heed. Si fleatum aspicius, ne mox falare, caveto, sin aridebit magus effuge et oscula si fos ferre volet, fugito, sunt oscula noxia, in ipsis suntque venona, labris, etc. Take heed of Cupid's tears, if cautious, and of his smiles and kisses I thee tell, if that he offered, for they be noxious and very poison in his lips doth dwell. A thousand years, as Castilio conceives, will scarce serve to reckon up those allurements and guiles that men and women use to deceive one another with. End of section 14